Hi everybody, hope you're doing okay. Welcome back to the episode of the Faultline Social Podcast. On this episode, Liz Westsmith came on to chat about her life and career so far as a sound engineer, uh, doing live sound all across America, mainly in the Bay Area of California, and how Gilman Street was her foot in the door and how that venue made her the engineer she is today and her life and journey, and just an insight into the role of a sound engineer, her life, how she got into it, how that role functions, what happens, all the sick bands she's worked with as well. Um, yeah, it's just a cool look into another part of the music industry, I guess. Um, I'd like to thank Liz for coming on, taking the time to chat. It was a really nice conversation I had with her. Um, yeah, go follow her on Instagram. Uh, Darth Faders is her name, uh, which is a sick name. To uh, yeah, see what she gets up to, all the people she mixes and all the shows she does. It's uh, yeah, really cool insight to see from behind the desk, uh, like one person making so much happen that no one's even really aware they're there yeah which is a really interesting aspect as well um yeah thanks again for listening to the podcast and supporting it i hope, hope everyone's been enjoying the episodes and keep it well really i know some restrictions are lifting in certain countries now yeah thanks to liz once again for chatting really enjoyed this conversation and doing this episode um yeah thanks once again for listening take care peace how are you today doing okay yeah, it's a good day. It's uh, it's about 80 degrees in Oakland, and we're hitting a heat wave in California, and I'm very excited for it. <laughs> it's also the first official day, at least today in California, of reopenings for, you know, everything, uh, at least venue and, and uh, corona-wise. So oh, really? It'll be what? interesting. So venues can open at, like, full capacity? I. Uh, to my understanding, um, and, and maskless, and I, I think it's a little bit ambiguous in terms of who is actually doing that. Um, I, in the last year, like my, what I've been doing for work is like church audio and live stream stuff and some post work and working at like a, a museum and an aquarium and doing the AV stuff there. So, you know, one of the spots I work at there, while they can do it, they're choosing not to. I know a lot of other spots that have been doing it sort of under the radar. So I don't really know yeah. what, what the status of everyone is, but I know that at least they can <laughs> as of today. Well, that's the main thing. Yeah, it was meant to be like that here yesterday, but they pushed it back like a whole other month, mm. which was uh, very disappointing. But so we'll see. <laughs> see what happens in four weeks. See what happens. We all so, shall see. Once I, I've, I mean, I don't know about you, but for me personally, at least because we've all seen everything scheduled and rescheduled so many times, I'm not going <laughs> to yeah. believe it until I'm on the stage at the console, you know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I won't believe it until I'm standing in the room. You can tell me exactly. whatever you want. Literally. <laughs> Can't so, yeah. the false hope. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. It's good you managed to keep it going, though, do, like, alternative lines of work, but still keep involved with it, which is good to hear in the past year or so. Oh, my God. I feel so fortunate beyond belief. So many of my, like, fellow tech and engineer friends have uh, not been able to or gone back to retail or service jobs, not that there's anything wrong with that by any means. I just like feel yeah, real, know. real lucky to have been able to keep the chops up, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. It's a, a huge positive thing. Cause like it makes it, it just enhances the whole thing, especially if what you do, it just gets completely taken away. Literally. 
It's a uh, oh, no, no, a good, good to hear. Good to hear you managed to keep it going in the past year. It's uh, good news. Most definitely, it's such a heart thing too, because it's not just a job; it's community, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, definitely. It's what it's all about. So, um, sound engineering, live tech work, all that. How did you get into this essentially? Because it, it's it's not the most. Uh, it's it, it's quite a niche line of work, really. Um, how how did you actually step into this world and it become part of your life and your job? Uh, you know Gilman Street. Yeah, I do of course. Yeah, yeah. From 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 the internet, obviously, never never seen it, but um, yes, of course, yeah. There you go. So little little fourteen year old Liz went to a show there, and then I don't know, kind of. The rest is history, but um, that that place was. I I was also like really lucky to grow up in uh, the East Bay area in Berkeley and Oakland. Oh, see, um, cool. And I just you know was like a lot of kids who had had issues in in teenage years, like drawn to that community, and then mm. that was like my spot and uh it's one of those spots where like you're you're there as early as possible you stay as late as possible it doesn't really matter who's playing you're just there it's it's your home it's your family and uh i didn't know any bands to book so i didn't really enjoy booking and the coordinating or uh stage managing sort of aspect was not um my deal because it involved human interaction and that's not my strong suit um i didn't play any instruments and that didn't really uh entice me so sound was was what was left over and it was i don't know i fell in love with it um and i was also like granted a lot of opportunities by a lot of bands um Mm. that like let me probably make them sound like shit in that room for a few years while I was learning. Um, but yeah, I, I learned how to press buttons and knobs and run shows there. And yeah. then, yeah, cool. you know, after that, it, it just transitioned to become my income. Um, and I also, I, I think that I got lucky there because you don't just learn like, for in layman's terms, like how to do audio and the sound science, I guess, but like, yeah, yeah. A lot of the EQ and waves and acoustics and everything. Yeah. 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 But you also, you know, you're a 16 year old kid. And if they say like, you have a 10 band battle of the bands, they're all metal bands. So they have like 12 piece drum kits, no (laughs) backline, no stage manager, uh, 10 minute changeovers, half the gear is broken. You're the one in charge. Have fun. You, you do it. <laughs> um, and yeah. if you can do that, big stages are easy. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so going from there to regular quote, or I, I, I use that term loosely, but like the touring that isn't DIY and the shows that aren't DIY, it, so it's a nice, easy transition. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it sounds like it kind of. Why why do you think you kind of fell in love with it then? Like, because obviously you you were part of the venue and everything kind of fell into place. But why do you think you were actually naturally uh, enticed by the whole sound aspect of live music and like being in control of the desk and the mix and everything? Why do you think that actually captivated you? I don't like 
uh, well, one, it's very predictable. Um, the, yeah. their audio in general is, is rule based, you know, it's all very scientific. It's, it's, uh, thermodynamics and physics and geometry. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, everything can be broken down into, to patterns and, and protocols and your variables will swap out your, what you have as your inputs, who your players are, your room, your amplitude, like all of that can change. But if you know what the science is, you can essentially predict what the outcome will be. And then you have an infinite puzzle to solve. And that's, that is, makes me feel like a, a kid in a toy store, you know? It's so, it's so cool. It's the coolest thing in the world that you can have a single guitar player and the same equipment and you two, a thousand takes and those thousand takes will be different every single time. Um, but I'm also just the, the idea of being in front of people terrifies me. Um, any managerial position or interactive position uh, or a position where you can't leave the job once you leave the show really terrifies me. Um, Recording engineers, I have a massive amount of respect for them and I don't have that attention to detail and the ability to take a fine tooth comb through absolutely everything. So live sound where you do have an enormous amount of information to process in real time, a lot of troubleshooting, but I don't know. It's, it, it's the one thing that interests me no matter what that I would be doing, even if I wasn't getting paid. Yeah. It's the one position on the job site of live events that I always admired even before i was the sound guy oh really cool oh absolutely because you know i i think that it's also sort of like the invisible position like and no disrespect to the video or lighting people at all we are all equal and we are all important and just those like for folks who don't work in it you don't really think about it and if we're not there you're going to notice it but when yeah. we're there, you don't really notice that we're working and we're working really hard. And I really like that part. I like the fact that I'm standing behind everyone and no one's looking at me, but I control everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a yeah, it's a cool balance, isn't it? So so back at Gilman, how did you like originally start actually doing it then? Like did you go up to the sound guy and be like, yo man, like I'm really interested in this, can I have a go do you need help? How did you actually network your way in? Um and yeah, start practicing and start getting handed the responsibility of doing the sound of shows. So the beauty of Gilman is that it is truly by the kids for the kids. Yeah. Uh, they have membership meetings twice a month. Really? Where that, that anyone and that. everyone well, can go in. Yeah. Um, you know, there are like elected official positions for like legal purposes, whoever is in charge of finances and um, whose name is on the documents and whatnot. But in terms of who's in charge of like sound and booking, coordination, whatnot, once a year they hold elections 
And in order to vote on anything, the requirements are that you have volunteered within, I believe it's six months and have been to a membership meeting within six months. Um, and volunteering involves showing up before a show and saying, I want to volunteer. So you can stamp hands at the door. You can, you know, take people's money for the show fee at the door. Um, yeah. It's as accessible as possible. And that's what really, I think, drew me to it. Is it like knocked out this idea of what the music industry or shows were? Because like, you know, when you're a kid getting into shows going to to live events there's house shows and there's big rock concerts and there's no middle ground mm. and then i went to this venue and the bands that i i saw that i loved were just outside smoking and talking to people and it was no big deal and there was no middleman there was no hierarchy there was no i'm better than you it just blew the idea of I don't know like social capital out of the water and it was like a level playing field and we're all here for the same purpose and we all contribute in one way or another um and so there was a I someone was the head of sound at the time and so I went to a membership meeting and I had been there you know I'd been going there as a kid for a few months or maybe a couple of years at the time and said I I kind of want to learn how to do sound. And so they said, you're going to start coming to shows and learning how to do sound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then later on, cool. I got to then like, I was the uh, one of the heads of sound there for a couple of years when I was a teenager. And then later got to like help younger kids how to learn to do sound there and, and so on and so forth. And that's a, another big part of it is the like pay it forward and, and keep the train going type thing. Yeah, absolutely. You say you started going to Gilman, at, which is like the local venue, I presume. Like it's, it's like a very prestigious venue. Like, um, now I've, I've, I think a lot of people who have been involved with certain subgenres of music are definitely aware of. Um, when did music really become a prominent force in your life, and how did you become aware of punk and hardcore essentially, and that there was this scene going on, and what bands did you start watching that led to all this? When I was probably about 13, 14, and it was a very like geographically driven thing. Okay. Because so I, I have, I grew up in uh, Oakland and Berkeley and I, my parents really liked Green Day. <laughs> yeah. And, okay. Cool. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I started with like, Green Day, Rancid, Black Flag, Fang, Minor Threat, that sort of, yeah, yeah, you know, the, the local stuff into the old school hardcore, into the floor puncher, beat down hardcore, mm. so on and so forth. Yes, the Nick, yeah, wicked. Riot Girl, and then the transition happens, but I don't know, I a lot of other people from the Bay Area, I have heard similar things of, Green Day Rancid Operation Ivy was what started it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can especially from that area as well. Like, oh yes. Like, yeah, for sure. That's and, like, and, and I say that with nothing but love and respect. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Those three bands, that is like, uh, yeah, put them on like the postcard of the airport, literally. Oh, absolutely. The major triad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So, yeah. Um, so, go- going into that, did that, did that kind of, that whole ethic of that scene, did that kind of rub off on you where you thought you could apply yourself to the venue, essentially? Like, was everything at the time really becoming, like, your mind was absorbing it, it was really reflecting who you are and what you do now? I would, I mean, I would say yes, but I also, this was not the plan. Um, Really? Cool. (laughs) When I started learning how to do sound there, it was fun, it was interesting, it was a way to contribute to a community that I loved um because it really it was just that it was a community it was it was um family sometimes dysfunctional but nonetheless family um yeah and there was there wasn't a whole lot of thought for what was going to happen in adulthood um and so this turning into a job wasn't wasn't really the plan and I would not change a damn thing. I, I still have to pinch myself sometimes cause I can't believe I got so lucky. Um, but yeah, yeah. the fact that that transpired and now I get to make a living this way is just kind of happened. <laughs> um, but I do think that the fact that I, I I learned how to do this in a DIY setting where mm. basically it was hands where hands are needed, right? Like whether you are the front of house engineer for the biggest band in the world or you've never worked a show and you're a stagehand, like if someone needs help lifting something, go fucking help them lift it. Like yeah, fuck yeah. your, e- excuse me, like egos don't matter. Um, you're not better than a job. You're not better than anyone else. We're here for the same reason. Obviously, that gets overlooked everywhere. There's shitty people everywhere. But 100%. The, yeah, yeah. the work ethic, the community-minded ethos, I think that learning those first before coming into the actual like beast that is the music industry mm. definitely gave me a leg up, I will say. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. And I, I'm very, I feel very lucky to like carry those things still. Cause it's been a benefit for sure on <laughs> with a lot of work situations in the past outside yeah. of Gilman street. And it's been a solid, I'd say five or six years since I dipped out of there. Oh, uh, really? Quite, quite a while then. Well, quite so it's, that's one of those, you know, it's because it is a, a by the kids for the kids place. Like you, your time runs its course there. Um, and I didn't, it can, it can happen where people become like the kid that graduates high school and still hangs out in the parking lot, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it can border on like taking space. That's not yours to take. And there's always a kid who needs, who needs attention there and who needs to like learn sound, who needs a community. And I got so much out of that place. Um, and I, I hope I got to give a lot back. Um, and straight up on some time issues about five years ago was when 
audio became my like full-time job and there's you know there's only seven nights in a week I can't make a clone of myself it just also became like I couldn't be in two places at once yep um but yeah I I will always love Gilman Street (laughs) yeah for sure I'd love to see it one day love to see it um if you are ever in the Bay Area I will bring you there my friend (laughs) <laughs> I look forward to it absolutely um, so when when you were kind of transitioning into this being like a full time job did you, did you ever did you register like you were like oh shit I work now in the music industry not just like at one venue doing this Did how, how was that realising like you're part of like the bigger picture now it, I think it was more of like a slow burn because I was my age kind of played a weird thing I I turned 18 and then I started, excuse me, um, working at larger venues, but I don't know if this is just a California thing or a federal U S thing, but at a lot of venues in San Francisco, you can't work even as an audio person unless you're 21 uh, because of your license thing. What the fuck? Really? Right. And so, yeah. Um, and so there were, a f- I, I could work at a couple and it's something with like, if the bar has food, then it's restaurant and blah, blah, blah. But if it doesn't, I don't understand. There's like a pink and a green, like I, lots yeah, of bureaucratic yeah. logistics where if you're under 21, you cannot work at certain venues, even as an audio engineer. Um, so there was like just someone's just because people have a few beers around you. What the f- this makes no sense. Not my monkey, not my circus. <laughs> <laughs> um, True. True. Yeah. yeah. But there was like a weird couple years of transition there where I did um, get to do some work for um, the San Francisco chapter of IATSE, which was really, really cool because Whereas corporate audio, I wouldn't say is my favorite. Um, Mm. I learned so much more and it made me such a better engineer in tech in terms of like back to the, if you can handle a 10 band battle of the bands versus like a, a massive, you know, Apple conference or something just being the most adaptable and and teachable sort of a technician and engineer that there was a couple of years there um, where I did essentially just do a lot of like corporate audio. Yeah. And I'm really grateful for that because it made me a chameleon. <laughs> but then I started when I turned 21 doing uh, just being the house engineer at a bunch of venues in San Francisco. And that's kind of when it hit of like, oh god like i'm yeah i'm in this shit now i'm in this shit now yeah yeah yeah. but dive in the deep end i don't want to come up (laughs) yeah yeah for sure absolutely um do you was it was it hard to begin with like transitioning from environment to environment venue to venue even going from like corporate or you mentioned all the different environments you have been working in um do you find that a big challenge uh maybe more so in the past rather than now but has that adaptation process made you like a more well-rounded and knowledgeable engineer than you could have ever imagined really? Like venue to venue on the weekly? 
Yeah, yeah, because I used, I used to think that about a lot of house engineers. Like they work one place and work another. It's like a whole different room, maybe a whole different console. How is it when you're expected to just go in there and do your thing, but it's like, yo, this is so different to the last place. Oh, I love it. You think on tour, like assuming that uh, a band and venue don't carry their consoles, the, the touring engineer is on a different console and in a, or rather the more important part, a different room every night. Yeah. Um, and that's the bigger thing is like, there are collectively maybe 10 to 20 consoles. Maybe that 20 is a, is a massive stretch. Um, there's a few consoles that we will encounter that are industry standard. And even if we haven't worked on one in a while or it's newer, there's a new firmware version we're not familiar. It might take a few minutes to re-familiarize with buttons or uh, interfaces, terminology, they essentially all do the same thing. Signal flow doesn't change. Patch mm. points, what sound does and is doesn't change. But the rooms, that is the biggest thing. Like if you're in a really long, skinny wooden room versus a big open amphitheater um, and yeah. you don't know how to mix those or you don't know how to adapt to wind or a really really quiet vocalist or personalities straight up like if you don't know how to deal with a stage manager that's an asshole and doesn't listen to you um with with a lead singer that ha you know i don't personalities um <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah learning how to adapt on the fly to stuff like that is I think is far more valuable than knowing the absolute ins and outs of any piece of, of gear ever, at least. Um, and, you know, there's almost every engineer I know that's a house engineer works at three to six venues. Granted, that's a very narrow view because I've only been a house engineer in the Bay area. And most of my, friends who are house engineers are house engineers in other major metropolitan areas. Interesting. I, I never knew um, people did that. Like, like have like five or six house venues to their name. That's crazy. I always thought it was just one guy or one, whoever just works at that venue. It's uh, very interesting. I'm sure it's done like that at some, at maybe the more historic places. If they're not union run or, uh, run by like larger sound companies because yeah. that's another thing is sometimes like if x or y venue if their talent portion is run by like live nation golden voice aeg the the labor part might be covered privately or be covered by a separate company so if i work at xyz venue and the bands are or the tours are brought through by Golden Voice, I could be hired out by a completely separate company or just hired by the venue itself. So that interaction is so minimal. It I sound in, or just like the the production departments are very usually far removed from every other department of the venue. Yeah. I don't have a great gauge for what the rest of that process looks like. Yeah, it's cool. I thought that was just uh, yeah, good, good, good fact to hear. I never, I never knew that happened. Um, you know, what, what are your thoughts on um, 
like education in terms of people going to school to study like music tech and like production and stuff like that do you what what are your thoughts on that in like the modern day because uh I, I i did music tech at uni personally i thought it was not not beneficial really is do you feel it is better to just go into it but obviously it's who you know and what and not not what you know sometimes what do you feel about young people's approaches if they want to get into a game like you're in i'm gonna choose my words very carefully so first off i did a nine month like certificate type program yeah um that in hindsight, while I did learn a lot, I I have personally never it has not like benefited any work situations for me. It has benefited my knowledge. Um it was geared more towards I think producers and studio engineers. Um yeah. and I learned more about sound science, but it uh it didn't help on my like day-to-day on stage job. Um it if someone wants to learn in depth about every single detail and aspect of the science behind audio of the music business of every pro tools hotkey ever um yeah and they have the time and the resources to go to school by all means do that. I do not think it is a necessity by any means. One of the things I love about the live world in general is that you don't need that on your res. Like I dropped out of high school. I have my GED. Um, but one thing I was really scared of in adulthood, like realizing like, Oh shit, I need to get my shit together and get a job. What with audio is like, it's based on who you know and what you've done for work. And that can kind of be shitty because of the who you know part. It can border on clout, unfortunately. But it's really cool because I'm a high school dropout (laughs) and I have a cool job and I've been able to work for some amazing people and do some amazing things because I know stuff and work hard. Um, and, and that is something I am proud of is like, I work my fucking ass off. I work really fucking hard. Um, but there, I think is such a, it's not necessary. It's, it's cool. It's great. If you want to do it, it's definitely an asset. It is not a necessity. Um, I think it can be kind of a fault sometimes because, and all due respect to, engineers and techs who have been doing this for a very long time. I recognize that I am young and have not been doing this forever. I learned on a broken analog system. I learned in a concrete punk rock warehouse building. Yeah, Um, yeah, exactly. What I've seen happen really often is other techs and engineers come in and they've never unloaded a truck and they've never sort of done the quote unquote shit work and they're fresh out of full, you know, they're fresh out of a program or a a university and they got hired by the buddies band. They've never brought a kick drum through a full PA and they have a bunch of plugins and the overview screens, but like 
everything is visual and everything is conceptualized. So you can't, if, if you can't mix without visuals, that's an issue. I think that's the biggest thing is like, it is so the digitization of everything can be harmful. And I also don't want to like overstep any bounds because I know I have not been doing this that long and I'm young and blah, 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 whatever. But if, if your overview screen goes down and you can't see the bell curve of your EQ and you don't know what it sounds like to cut or boost a certain frequency, what the fuck are you doing, dude? (laughs) Like you should have learned that in school that, and that's the issue that I have often seen is touring engineers come in and they have beautiful, fancy, expensive plugins and they have beautiful, fancy, expensive degrees and diplomas, but they're completely lost in the actual fundamentals of mixing. Yeah, all the gear, no idea. Absolutely. Oh, all the gear, no idea. I love that. <laughs> Cheers. Um, yeah, so thinking back, you know, what when, when you were given more responsibility at Gilman, what kind of shows were you that really stand out of... As in your mind, as real like milestones for when you were younger as well, because I think I first saw Gilman when I was like oh, oh, fucking like ten years ago, watching like Story So Far videos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, honestly, so ten years ago was twenty. So twenty ten was when I first started going to shows. So Story actually used to do these holiday shows at Gilman and I think the last one they did there before they got too big to play there was like one of the first bigger shows that I had done there by myself I think I was the head of sound there at the time oh um but also do you know the hard times yeah 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 so the hard times does they do like hard times presents so it's hard times the website and hard times the promotion company yeah the hot um, yeah the website's hilarious yeah 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 love the website so yeah. they like pair up with what used to be um bane shows and just change it to hard time shows so anytime there's like a hardcore show in the bay area yeah it's the hard times show and so i do sound for that oh um, really sick yeah really so cool. i like yeah, yeah. I, I get to say that i'm the hard time sound guy um, <laughs> yeah, wicked. It, I love it so much. Um, and <laughs> yeah. so that's been like the last five ish years, um, minus Corona. Um, yeah. Excuse me. So around, oh God, Agent Orange was the first show I ever mixed by myself when I was 16. Story so far was the first sold out show at Gilman Street I did, I think. And that was like twenty thirteen maybe? Yeah, probably. Oh, no, it was Title Fight. Title Fight was the huge No why it was like AI. super, super poignant for me. Amazing. Best band ever. So sick. God. And I and I remember because I think that was like the most packed out I've ever seen the room. Yeah, like over capacity for sure. Yeah, and that was, it was the yeah. only time I think I've ever been like, I'm scared of how many people there are in here. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, there's, it's also, I I wish I had kept a log because 
there are a lot of shows there that I don't, I'll see stuff pop up and be like, Oh fuck that show. Um, but I don't, I don't remember every single one. And I'm sure that there are plenty, um, that I did and just don't remember. Cause there were so many, I think, uh, a friend of mine and I, who is, uh, he's also an engineer and he started doing stuff a couple of years before I did. Um, we tried to do the math on just like how many bands we've mixed over the years and factoring in like, you know, repeating bands and touring and using conservative numbers. It's probably for the, each of us between like 2000 and 3000 bands um Bloody hell. which was wild to think about <laughs> yeah for sure absolutely and like plus there's probably like five people in each of them <laughs> Do you know what exactly I mean? exactly and the fact that that's only the last like eight to ten years <laughs> Yeah, and it will continue for hopefully at least decades on past this. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, that is mental, isn't it? How many people you've, uh, you know, asked them how their monitor sounds? <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, truly. Also, I n- much love to all front of house engineers everywhere, and I I like to dabble in front of house. I prefer monitors. Monitors are so much more fun. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, big up monitors for sure. <laughs> it's more technical. There's more going on. Yeah. Why more in depth for sure? Um so what what why do you think you've had success in a you know in a starting this very young to where you are now? What why do you think everything did work out so well? Obviously you spoke about like work ethic and everything like that, but um what do you think made you rise above a lot, a lot of people and be on the platform you're on now? Uh, circumstance, opportunity, luck. I mean, yeah. I I don't want to discount the fact that like I do work hard, but I also was in the right place at the right time, um, you know, to be born and raised in the East Bay area and to be working with some of the bands and folks that I was like, I could have very easily been doing all of this in the middle of nowhere um, and had to like search long and hard for even anyone else who was remotely interested in music. And it was right down the street. Um, And I had plenty of bands who let me fuck up their sound so I could learn what sounded good. And then plenty of bands who were like, Oh shit, we sounded really good. Can we take you on tour? Or then, you know, other engineers who would come in with bands with like the headliner, hear me mix the openers and support and go, Oh shit, that sounded good. Can I hire you at my venue? Something like that. And that's where, most if not all of my work has come from um is the oh shit we really like your work here can we hire you elsewhere um and that's where i'm like really 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 lucky because i know a lot of other folks who had to do like years and years and years of work to even get consideration for the foot in the door um, and I'm not, not saying I didn't do the work. I 
do the work, but I also like didn't have to spend like five years working as a stagehand just to touch a console. Like I could just touch a console. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's an opportunity that I don't know a lot of people who just got right off the bat. And so I'm like very, so lucky in that regard. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Cause um, you know, having that community so close and so central to you growing up, um, I think a lot of people involved with that venue um, in, in diff- different paths, but like it's a real, everyone is, it's a real product of your environment kind of atmosphere it creates. Absolutely. And then also, so that was a 14, 15. So then there was some, some band came through, they had their own engineer yeah, and yeah. then uh that so that guy that engineer was named kent and he uh happened to be the manager at um a couple of venues in san francisco um he liked the mixes that he had heard me do there and he said do you want to come work at these venues in san francisco um started working there Uh, i met a couple of other engineers at those venues and then but you know sort of chain of events those engineers were like hey do you want to work at these other venues and so on and so forth and then those venues were the venues that all the tours that i loved would come through on the bands that i would have paid to go see anyways were playing and so bands would come through and would go oh shit we really liked our mix can we get your contact info to take you on tour, recommend your name, whatever it was. And so that's how the work sorted and would like come through. And that's like, yeah. Yeah. I don't know where I was going with that, but like no, 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 no. chain of events is like, it all, it all traces back. Yeah, for sure. Like it's actually, yeah. If, yeah. If you were actually retracing every footstep, it does all lead. Cause it's, yeah, because it's actually, you know, it's showing you can perform and there's the whole network inside of it as well. Like definitely like putting yourself out there and like wanting to do it, not just being like, oh, you know, I wanted to have a Tuesday off. Sorry. Like you actually like, you have to put yourself out there 24-7. 100%. What are your thoughts on um, like modern punk and hardcore? Really? Let's talk about that for a little bit. Do you, um, are, you, are you an active listener of it or of the scene? I, pr- I presume you are, but what, what are your thoughts on how the scene has changed from... In the, in the past decade or so, because I've, I've seen it change like dramatically. What what about someone like yourself in the especially the part of the world you're in? Oh, I mean, so the bands that I guess everyone in my area listens to are Gulch, Drain, Tsunami. Uh, we got No Right. We got what else? Did I hit them all right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I. I, I I would love to have I'm a I'm a shitty hardcore kid. I love all of those bands so much. Granted, like th- so those are the bands that play a lot of those hard times shows. Um, yeah, cool. yeah. And so I've I've been able to like mix those bands for a lot of years, and that's what I really love about working with the hard times. Is for the last at least five years, I've primarily been a house monitor engineer at venues in San Francisco. So four to five nights out of the week, I might get a show that I really like. Most of the time I'm doing sound for bands that are, it's like, it's fun, it's engaging, but it's maybe not my 
first choice music. So when I get to do sound for hard time shows, I love it. It's my church. It's, yeah. it's like, it's a calm. It's a relief. I fucking love doing sound for those shows. Um, and I will forever be a shitty little hardcore kid at heart. <laughs> Same. <laughs> yeah. It's the best. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Every day. Um, that's sick though. Cause you'd have probably gone, gone to those shows anyway. And they just get to mix it as well. There is a show this Saturday that I believe is uh, Jabalba, Drain, Scowl, Gulch, and Tsunami that is very close to my house, and I will be there in full, ready to cause trouble. Oh, I'm fucking jealous. Gulch I'm is so sick. Excited. I thought that was one of the. Yeah, for real. I thought I think that Gulch record um, is one of the best things I've heard in a long time. Yeah, Liz, thank you very much for talking to me today. I really appreciate your time. I really enjoyed that. Of course. Thank you for reaching out. No worries at all. You got much on the rest of the day. I know it's kind of early there ish. Yes, yeah, not even ten thirty in the morning. Yeah, thanks for setting an alarm and jumping on. <laughs> of course. It. What's it, you got? You got much on or just chilling? Today is my day off, so I'm gonna be laying out in the sun by the lake. Yeah, it sounds sounds like a day off. Definitely do it. Yeah. And oh shit, you're ending your day, huh? Yeah, it's like 20 past six here, so ish. It's like, uh, yeah, evening, evening time. I'm going to roll my bike around to my dad's house in a little bit. Should be. Oh, good. hell yeah, some family time. Yeah, it should be good. It's actually nice weather in England now, and it's usually shit like the whole year, so uh, it's actually been quite good the past few weeks. Where so in England are you? I'm in Birmingham, right in the middle. <sighs> nice. Yeah, have you ever been? No, unfortunately. Well, I was supposed to go last year, but then, you know. The world froze. So, uh, were, you, were you working over here or on, on holiday? Uh, well, I was supposed to uh, be on a tour. With who? Um, but then, world. I mean, so I have some dates for this fall that are all domestic. But I think, I think that we have some 2022 international stuff. Oh, sick. We shall see. Yeah. <laughs> Again, who, who back to the whole. We're not going to believe it until we're there. <laughs> I don't think I'll believe anything until I'm there now after this. Exactly. Well, for God. <laughs> Who were you meant to come over here with last year? Uh, an artist named Amigo the Devil. Oh, I don't know. Don't know. Don't know. I'll check it out, though. It's sad and intense, and I like it. And I have four inputs. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, it sounds like a, a good time. <laughs> yeah, every aspect of that. I love it. <laughs> I have four inputs, yeah. That's awesome. Four inputs, great crew, can't complain. <laughs> For sure, absolutely. Um, yeah, well, I hope you do make it to England. It's a cool country. Um, I only went to America once, but I don't I don't really I don't really think it counts. I went I went to like uh Key Largo in Florida, like right at the bottom for like one Ooh, week. Oh yeah. Uh please do not let Florida be a representation of America. That's the cousin we don't talk about. Yeah, it was. I remember going. <laughs> I remember going to like bars and just chatting to local people. I was like, "Fucking hell, this is intense." Some of these people. Do you know what I mean? It was like uh, the sky was nice. It looked like a grapefruit, but um, yeah, the some of the people walking around. Yeah, it was a, a lot to take in. Yeah, Florida's not. Florida's unmentionable. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, 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 for sure. I talked, I talked to people on here quite a lot, and then they all kind of say the same thing. Most people, anyway, especially <laughs> people from, uh, from, especially people from California, where you are. They're like, yeah, 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 don't, don't talk. We're about opinionated it. about it. I mean, it's super methy, is the thing. Oh, is it? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Really? I got, I got family in Florida. <laughs> 
Oh, shit. Is that like a big like, epidemic problem there? Like people smoking? Um, I mean, it's kind of a, a problem everywhere. It just seems to be a little bit pronounced. Granted, Miami is like their own little republic. Like they don't count as Florida. Miami's chill. But yeah. the rest of Florida is a special breed of crazy. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. It seemed it. It seemed it. But um, should you ever find yourself in the Bay Area and you want to see the inside of Gilman Street, let me know. Absolutely, Liz. I do. Uh, I really, <laughs> that's that's very cool of you to offer. I do appreciate that. I hope I can drop that message one day, and it does happen. But believe it when we see it, as always. Oh my goodness! Yes. <laughs> Fingers crossed. See you in a bit. All right. Cheers.